This podcast is for general informational purposes only and represents the individual opinions of Dr. Dimitri Bick, Dr. Stefan de Graff, Dr. Suzanne Mignon, and the guests. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or other professional healthcare services and should not be taken as medical advice or an establishment of standard of care. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Please don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe, but more importantly leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Reviews not only help us grow listeners, but also help us grow as a show, improve our content, and make us better. For those of you that listen to this show strictly for a female voice or in, in situations where that female voice decides to be mean to me, <laughs> my apologies today. <laughs> Suzanne is not with us. Well, somebody's happy. happy. Look at you. Yeah. You have a grin like from left to right. Look at that. You're smiling. I'm fun of today. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> we have a we have an open... Uh, an open vacation policy at this podcast is basically, you know, just whenever you don't want to be here, you just don't be here. But apparently, you know, she's got a lot of important things to go on. And and it's unfortunate because I wanted to ask her whether or not she was scared about halfway through the first quarter of the Dolphins game today and thought maybe this whole thing was just a, just a charade of just fake. Maybe the Dolphins were just fake. The, oh, oh! You mean the entire the entire season? Oh no! Yeah, it, it's crazy in in the yeah. I mean, it's 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 fascinating. What in the NFL, one game can change the narrative. Like if that lost the game, you could have said that, but not if I'm in one, and suddenly the narrative is we're doing so well, right? Like they haven't been five and one in so long. Yeah, everything's fine. We've scored forty two points. You know, like but the first two possessions, Carolina, or the first three possessions, Carolina went down, scored two touchdowns. And the Dolphins' first yeah. two possessions, they punted. For, I think for the first time the whole year that they've ever punted on their first two possessions. And right. in a row, I mean. And everybody, I thought, was going to lose their mind. It's like, oh, it's over. It was a nice run. We had five good games. This is who we really are. And then all of a sudden, like in a blink of an eye, it was 21-14. Do you think the, what, the wave flips so fast? Do you think it's a... Tua effect or is it McDaniel's effect? Tua had a coach before that, a, a person who will not be named, who decided that... <laughs> Come on, you can name him. He, he actually was a good <laughs> defensive coach. <laughs> Ironic. To the league because he was fired and now all of a sudden you got a new guy in there and Tua looks like Dan Marino, a left-handed Dan Marino. So was it Tua or was it the coach? Or was it the fact that he got Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle? Um, and yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> Mostert and a, a chain and all these speed no, guys. I mean, the offense is off the hook. Kevin Kevin Harlan said that they're a track team today, and and I love listening to Kevin. Harlan yeah, yeah. Games, but him calling Dolphins game is like the best joy I've had in a long time. 
You call yeah. them attract teamies, right? They're just they're attracting. Yeah, I heard that one. That's so fast. That's so fast. Yeah, there's nothing, and the only thing that could stop him is like Tariq Hill pulls a hamstring or gets cramps, and he like just jogs out of bounds. Hey, and the Carolina defense. I mean, I mean, knock him. <laughs> yeah, no, no, they, they're exciting. The the running game is sick. The passing is sick. I just hope they can be some defense sometimes, you know, because they, that's it, the worry. There's no guarantee the. Right, there's no guarantee they'll, they'll win a game against a very good offensive team because it's like offense versus offense. That's what happened with the Bills. Was it the Bills right. they lost to? The, the Bills, yeah. yeah. They lost by four touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly they, right. they, they need to be able to stop people. We're going to find out next week because next week they go to Philadelphia. And I've been oh, on yeah. record saying is Philadelphia doesn't deserve nice things. And <laughs> the Eagles are the nicest thing yeah. that's happened to them in a long time. They have nice things. They have Rocky Balboa. Oh, they have nice things. Oh, they have... I'm saying they don't. They don't deserve nice things. Deserve them. Okay. Okay. I see these what you are, mean. These are the same people that booed Santa Claus. These people do not deserve nice things. But they have a very wait, nice thing. In these... Wait, wait, wait. What? You don't know this? We want the boo Santa Claus. You Come on. I, I mean, I this? don't know that one. You really? Well, okay, enlighten so me. Your assignment. Your assignment. After this podcast, is to go on the internet and Google Philadelphia booze Santa Claus. Well, I can do live. Pull that up because um, it happened. Well, I don't even remember how long it's been since they did that, but it was um, it was it it was at their it was during the football game during the Eagles game. I they booed him and they threw uh, snowballs at him. Uh, Nineteen sixty eight. Uh, the the Eagles were two and eleven. And were slated to play the Minnesota Vikings after an immense amount of snow fell that day. So they, uh, yeah, they they booed Santa Claus. This is this is that city, and so I'm just saying, not that I'm like a huge Santa Claus guy, but like if you're gonna boo someone, I I'd say Santa Claus is not the guy to boo because <laughs> he's not real. Like I don't know. Sorry, kids. Breaking news. Hey, hey, hey. Shh. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> I know some some people let their kids listen to this. We appreciate sure, it. Yeah, it, you know, no, Dimitri's kidding. It, it it does exist. That's right. Santa Claus brings you presents on on uh, yeah. Christmas Day, except for Jews. It's Hanukkah Harry. So does the Tooth Fairy, by the way. That also exists. That's right. The Tooth Fairy does exist too. But I didn't want to start with the Dolphins so much because Suzanne is in here to to give us her in game in stadium analysis. So I wanted to bring up something else instead, which is sort of a a add-on to our healthcare horror stat of the day or stat of the week, which we're going to do later on. But I've got now a uh, climate change horror the story of the day or story of the week. The, uh, the headline from Science Alert is flesh-eating bacteria are on the rise in the U.S. Here's how to avoid them. I can see by the look on your face that you are very happy I brought this up. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. <laughs> right. So necrotizing fasciitis. This is the nastiest thing I've seen in medical school. If you guys haven't seen that in, in real life, you don't want to see it. You do not want to, you don't want to smell it. You don't want to see it. It's the nastiest thing I've seen in medical school. Yeah. Well, the most common cause of that is group A strep. Strep uh, arius, I believe, is the the most common cause of it. But this new bacteria that's causing it now is Vibrio vulnificus, which is, of course, something you would rolls right off the tongue. And 
you want to know so much about it. But the reason this is a climate change issue is because this particular bacteria is found usually in warm water. Warm water, and right. Warm water. Um, and, and also like seafood that's in, found in warm water. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can be attached to that. But the reason that this is a global warming thing is because the seas are getting warmer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and northern Fake and news. northern oceans. <laughs> Fake news! It's fake news. Fake news. There's no, there's no global warming. It's it's 50 <laughs> degrees in Michigan. Uh, yeah, so the the seas are getting warmer as we go higher in latitude now. So in the East Coast, New York, Connecticut, the, the, the seas are warmer. So this bacteria, which is usually hanging out in the tropics, is now moving up north. And that is completely related to global warming. So... Uh, this is something now uh, we can be scared of now. The new thing that we can be scared of. There's there's wars breaking out everywhere in the world. There's nuclear tension. There's COVID-19 is still a thing, even though it's not as much of a thing, but it's a thing. Mm -hmm. Flu season's coming up. And now, now you can bugs. be scared. Bed bugs. Bed bugs was, was a thing. Bed bugs, yeah. right? Yeah. I got to be careful. I think it's still a thing, right? Is it? You're going, well, it's you're going always a thing. So but, going to, yeah. But, but have you heard what's going on in Paris, in France? No. What? Paris is in, that was in the news all last week. It's infested with bed bugs everywhere in train station, parks, everywhere. It's a it's a national crisis over there, and they got to get oh, ready right. for the yeah. They got to get ready for the Olympics, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know that's if it's like crazy. that global warming. Yeah, I don't know if it's global warming or not, but that's wild. It's like the the what is it? The seventh calamity. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah the what is the? It's from the Bible. The, from the Bible, right? The the is it yeah, seven? It's... The 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 calamities? Yeah, there was. I forgot which one. I'm 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 a terrible Catholic. I mean Christian, whatever it is. I think it's seven, right? There were the, the plagues. Yeah, there was there was a plague. No, the plagues. There was there the were, there were ten plagues, but. In, so, but uh, yeah, what's the final book of the Bible? It's um, Revelations. Oh, God. Um, Revelations. Hopefully, my mom's not listening to the show. The five, seven plagues, yes. Uh, the final book of Revelations, so is it, the earth is it, is seven. Is it what's plagues. going on from intense heat and drought? And it ends with like deadly hailstorms. Is it what's going on? I know there's, yeah, I know there's, um, there's like a bug thing there's a bug thing this is yeah i thought it was was it crickets i don't know yeah they were eating the Let's crops see. no 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 that's the 10 commandments I'm, I'm sorry the um the plagues from the old testament in moses i'm talking about from, from moses right correct. The seven the seven the seven disasters okay there was uh wars plagues and natural disasters we, we... Pe pestilence uh stinking sores yeah this is this is all uh now all we need is, you know, Jesus to come down and save us all. But only people like you who are Christians, yeah. right? So he was, so he was, so yeah, he was turning water into blood. Those are frogs. There was a second one. Lies and gnats. This is the plagues. This is the not, seventh. Not the this is the seventh. It's the seventh plague. Oh, yeah, you're right. The different book. The seven, the seven plagues in the Bible was the seventh one. Yeah. This, we're talking about Revelations. It's a completely different book. Completely different religion, although it's similar. 
but he did the same thing in, in, in Judaism. There's no revelations in Judaism. So in Judaism. the old Testament ends okay. and then Jesus shows up and become and turns everyone into a Christian after coming back to life. And from then Ooh. on, it's, it's new Testament, which is the Christian Bible, which incorporates yeah. the old Testament. So like the Christians do believe in, you know, uh, 6,000 year earth and Adam and Eve and the 10 commandments mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But they take it into the new book. Why am I really explaining this to you? You should know. All I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, I used to know them when I was in school, when I was in, in high school, but uh, what a shame. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, sorry. Mama, Mama DeGraff, don't listen to this. Your son has, has fallen. Don't know. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So now that we talked about the global warming crisis and how that's going to kill us all with flesh-eating bacteria, it's now time to do the healthcare horror stat of the week because, of course, if you're going to have your flesh being eaten away by a bacteria, it's only fitting that you're going to do that in a place where the healthcare system is crumbling and falling apart. America has the greatest healthcare in the world. Deductibles, drug tears, PAs, and copays. But you can get an MRI today for the low price of just 2K. America, yay! So the healthcare horror stat of the week today is a vial of insulin in Canada costs $32. Do you want to take a guess? at how much that same vial of insulin, the same drug, the same quantity from the same manufacturer costs in the U.S. It's going to be a couple of hundred dollars. $300. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. This is wild. And can somebody please explain why? Because it's capitalism? Because somebody's making money? I mean, why? Why? I, I, have, I actually don't know. I, I have a bunch of speculation as to why, because... The way to get it through the FDA is more costly because uh, in America, there's more marketing costs. So you're saying because the, the, the manufacturer have to price it higher because the, the the cost of actually putting the drugs in the market is all too high. So meaning, basically meaning the, the government is making it more expensive, not the consum- not the manufacturer. I honestly don't know the real reason for this. Okay. But but this is not just insulin. Like, every drug costs more. More in the U.S., Lexap- yeah. Lexapro, which is escitalopram. It's generic now, right? Here. Yeah, it's been generic since. It's generic, right. 15 years or something like that. In America, it's you have to get a prescription for it. In Europe, it's sold over the counter. So is sertraline, Zoloft. Right. Why? I don't know. Why? People, people in, in Europe don't like to make money. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. You know that's I don't know. That's, that's puzzling. I, I would love to know what the uh, antibiotic is to treat vibrio, 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 vib
and how much that costs, because if we're all going to get flesh-eating bacteria, we're going to need that antibiotic to not well, be not, super expensive. I'm not going to get it because I'm not getting into water. I don't know about you. That's true. I'm not a water. I'm a land animal. <laughs> I, <I'm> not. <laughs> but, but my kids and my wife really love the water and they like the beach. And, and I keep telling them that water is not your friend. Water hates you. Water wants to murder you in every way possible. And if you don't have any proof of that, there's tsunamis everywhere. Uh, there's sharks in the water that are eating people. They're just water. Water is not your friend. You don't like water. It's not good for you. We're not supposed to be in the water. When you drink it. Yeah. When you drink, you know, clear, fresh water, that's fine. But you don't need to be bathing in it. Like, <laughs> Other than a shower, like you could have a shower, you can drink it. Other than that, water doesn't like you, doesn't want you to live. And this is even more proof now that there's bacteria in it that's going to eat you alive. And because of America's healthcare system, the the, the bag of antibiotics. Right. Probably As if you needed more. Right. Yeah. As if you needed more argument for your point. Right. What is the what is that really big time antibiotic that causes all those side effects? Ivermectin B or something like that. There's yeah no um yeah no ivermectin is a antiparasitic um the kind of vancomycin. No no it's something B. Anfotericin. Anfotericin. Anfotericin yeah yeah that yeah that yeah. We're doctors by the way. <laughs> we don't prescribe antibiotics. I'm glad to I'm glad to say. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put a consult for somebody to prescribe, you know, I don't know, a microlite, you know, <laughs> I'll put a consult, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. no shame yeah, because but... they, they consult me for, they consult me all the time for sadness. I, I got consult, patient looks, patient looks sad. That, that's a consult. Patient looks sad. I, you know, so I, I can, sad. I can play that game. I can play that game. They I'll live, put a consult for, in, right. They live in Michigan, dude. Of course they're going to be sad. <laughs> No offense to the Michigan people that that listen to our podcast, but I've lived in the Midwest. It's a it's a sad place. I've lived in Ohio. Yeah, no, come on, it's a, it's come a on. Sad place. They get they get yeah. a bad rap. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, it's gonna get. It's, it's, we'll get down there, you know, in the sadness during the winter. I'm pretty sure with, with seasonal depression. But right now, it's not that bad. Yeah. Wait until wait until the 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 sun goes down at three o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard. I've heard. You're going to get a lot more consults for, uh, yep. for sadness. You can prescribe medication that costs, you know, three hundred dollars. No, I just, I just prescribe a light bulb. A light bulb. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. Seasonal I affective disorder. Treat you with a light bulb. And a light bulb. How much in America? It's like what? <laughs> it's probably more expensive bucks. in America. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably more expensive than Canada, right? <laughs> That's complete speculation. But but yeah. So like, we we can make fun of like how bad. The prices here are, but it's it's actually a real problem. <laughs> so I I don't know, and and the thing is I don't know like how to fix it. Like I've got ideas, but who wants to listen to me? You know. Yeah, nobody. I'm 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 filling in for Suzanne. I'm glad that uh, you're 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 here in, in her stead <laughs> to be mean to me.
stuff. How much hockey do you watch? Uh, <laughs> barely. You know, I got into hockey when I was in Florida watching watching the the Panthers. To be honest with you, I've gone to a few games, and you know, you, you can get you can get into hockey if you if you go enough, and if you have a team that you would for. Yeah. So it sounds like not a lot. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. I I can tell you that much. I don't watch it on TV. Okay. All right. Okay. Got so, got to be got to be in the stadium. In the arena. I I got into hockey probably when I was 10, maybe earlier than that, and my first experience with hockey was I turned on ESPN because in the 80s and here we go, we're going to lose all the children now. Um but in the <laughs> including in the me. 80s <laughs> including me. <laughs> <laughs> Steph is uh, sogging off after my uh, during my stories, my old people stories. In the eighties, Sports Center was on at six o'clock every night. Now Sports Center is still on at six o'clock every night, but at that time, Sports Center was the CNN of of sports. Like it was a highlight show. It's not that anymore. I haven't watched the Sports Center honestly from oh, beginning man, yeah. to end. In, I don't even know how long, but I but yeah. the parts that I do watch, I can see that it's not what it was, was when I was was addicted to it in the eighties and the nineties when it was purely a news show. Mm-hmm, came in mm-hmm. there, you saw all the highlights, and they, they logged off to the next thing. Anyway, Sports Center was on from six to seven, and it was one of those things that I watched religiously. And then there was a game of some kind on ESPN, depending on the time of year, and. Um, what what was available at that moment. So, you know, in the, in the winter and the early spring, you get basketball and hockey. So you'll get one game or another. And back then hockey was not as, even as not as popular as it is now. And it's not very popular now in the United States, but it wasn't on very often. And so I turned on ESPN. Uh, I don't remember when it was nine 30 or something like that. When I had just gotten home from something and a hockey game was on and I'm like, cool sports because sports was essentially my life as a child. Mm-hmm. And it was, there was two minutes left in the third period. And I said, Oh good. I get to watch the fourth quarter. Yeah. <laughs> and then was it and hockey? Then, yeah, it was hockey, right? <laughs> it was a hockey game. And I'm like, Oh cool. I get to watch the fourth quarter. And the, of course the period, ended and the the uh the the graphics came because there wasn't that graphic that's always on the TV now right. where it shows you the time and everything it just when the game ended or they're in break, breaks they put the the score up and the time so the, the horn sounded and everyone's going off the the ice and it pops the graphic pops up final and I'm like final <laughs> it's only the third quarter <laughs> what's going on here <laughs> you got so that was my that was my introduction to yeah, hockey, hockey only has three periods because it's really hard to play and skate around for four quarters. They break it into twenty minutes, and that, I found that out the next time I watched the game, where I was like, I watched it from the beginning, and I'm like, "There's intermission. What's an intermission? You mean halftime? Halftime. So yeah, <laughs> that's there's two halftimes." So that's how I got into it. And one of the things that I remember about hockey is in the 90s, the LA Kings made it to the finals and their head coach was Barry Melrose. And this dude had the most fantastic mullet. Just 
Yeah. Just the most fantastic mullet. And he still did. He still does now. I shouldn't say he did. He yeah, he still has does now. impeccable hair. Yeah. Um, it's just the best. And, you know, he, he didn't last very long with the Kings. I think they lost that Stanley Cup final. He didn't do very well the next two years. I think he was fired. And I don't think he coached after that, except maybe I think he had a short stint with the Lightning in the 2000s. But he was a hockey player back, geez, when in the 70s, I believe. Let me pull up his reference. Um, he played for LA um, too, right? I forgot we played for. No, he didn't. He he from the from the late seventies to the mid eighties. So he played, he played nine total years, six in the NHL and three in a minor league. Um, hockey is he is he Canadian or American? Association. It's a good question. Is he Canadian? He was born. For some reason, I thought he was Canadian. Saskatchewan. He's Canadian. Born in Saskatchewan. He's Canadian. Okay. Yeah. So he played with uh, Winnipeg, Toronto, and Detroit. He was a defenseman. He didn't play a lot and. Um, I, I don't want to rag on this guy because I like him a lot, but his plus minus for his career is minus one nineteen, which is yeah really bad, really bad. But but that's we're not going to talk about his career in playing or coaching, but that he explained hockey to people like me who didn't know a lot. And when the Panthers showed up in ninety two, it was like. Oh, now I'm going to watch hockey too. And I watched the Panthers and I needed to learn the game. Barry Melrose was on TV teaching hockey and he was really good at it. And he retired this week. And the reason that he retired was because he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And so his statement when he retired is, quote, I've had over 50 extraordinary years playing, coaching, and analyzing the world's greatest game, hockey. It's now time... It's now time to hang up my skates and focus on my health, my family, including my supportive wife, Cindy, and whatever comes next. I'm beyond grateful for my hockey career and to have called ESPN home for almost 30 years. Thanks for the incredible memories, and I'll be cheering for you from the stands. That was his statement when he retired. And you know that someone is really loved because literally not one bad thing was ever said about him. Yeah. Everybody... Everybody had only good things to say. Now, people do that when people retire, but there's always a holdout here and there, like a Skip Bayless of mm-hmm. the guy that retired. But nobody said anything bad about this guy, which tells you how much people really loved him in broadcasting. And I really like listening to him on on analysis because I think he was really good at explaining yeah. the game. But this gives us an opportunity to discuss something that we don't, we haven't discussed yet in 24 episodes, 23 episodes is Parkinson's disease. Right. right. Because Parkinson's disease tends to be a quote unquote neurology issue. Yeah. But I, it's funny you say, because we, people don't know that, but we um, psychiatrists, we do get our board also encompasses um, neurological issues, right? So ABPN, the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology. And there's a there's a slew of condition that we see either in the hospital or in the outpatient setting that have conditions that have both neurological and psychiatric symptoms. So we do see a, a lot of neurological condition that present with psychiatric symptoms or vice versa, or psychiatric condition that that does present, um, that do present with neurological issues, either due to medications that we can talk about also in this episode, or either for, for any other issues um, caused by psychiatric illnesses. 
But you're right. We're, we haven't. Now. Yeah, and you're right. We have not talk about Parkinson, and there's a, we've we've had a few episodes, um, purely psychiatric related that could be discussed in the context of Parkinson's disease, mainly depression, and people don't really know, don't really know that, but depression sometimes is one of the first symptoms of Parkinson, ironically. So I guess yeah. before we go in detail, I, maybe I should I should give everybody like a, a little, you know, a snippet of what Parkinson's disease is. I I I know it's a, one of the conditions that most people know about from seeing in, in, in TV or having a family member that has Parkinson. Most people think about tremors, right? So you actually mentioned earlier, Parkinson is a what we call a neurodegenerative disease or disorder, meaning it it progresses and worsens um, as as you grow older, as a, as the condition and um, you know, uh, continues to to affect the person, right? It gets worse with time. That's, that's what that means, and it affects um, mostly uh, area of the brain that produces uh, dopamine, right? Dopaminergic neurons, and in that area of the brain, what we call the Sunshine Niagara, um, where if you do an MRI study, you could see where exactly there's a damage in the brain, right? Um, and I'll do a, a parenthesis that when we discuss a few episodes back. We discuss medication for schizophrenia and psychotic diseases, a condition, and those medications can affect that area of the brain, um, meaning blocking dopamine and cause um, symptoms of Parkinson. So it's just exactly the same thing as you, as you lose the dopamine function in that area, either due to medication or due to a neurodegenerative disease, you, you present with symptoms of Parkinson. And besides the most common symptom, which is tremors, um, there's a lot of different symptoms that Parkinson uh, comes with, you know, and a tremor, if you go into details, not all tremors, and that's good to know because people that, that may have a family member with a tremor, they might have uh, an, an idea of thinking about is Parkinson, but not all tremors are Parkinson uh, disease, you know, the, the tremor in Parkinson disease is what we call a pure rolling tremor at rest, meaning the person can be standing and not doing anything and you see their hand besides the body shaking, right? Um, whereas other tremors could be just tremors when you move your hand or when you extend your hand to do some things or uh, different type of tremors. And most common one is essential tremor that necessarily is not something that you should worry about. Um, other symptoms that people don't really talk about, but is a very prominent when, when you're in a medical field is uh, rigidity, right? The, the, the person with Parkinson's disease usually feel very rigid. And you can see that also as side effect from our medications. Um, they have a, a very stiff posture right and then they what they have a akinetic gate or i like to call it a, st a stuck on gate where the feet feel like the the sole stuck to the ground and they shift their gate and that's what something they call the shifting gate pattern right because they feel like they don't feel like they just literally cannot move uh you know gracefully enough and the, the body just like stiff um they also have what we call um uh postural instability where um, they have issues with balances, right? So they get up from a chair and suddenly there are people would comment that they cannot move their feet and they feel like they're same stock, but they feel like they, they're wobbly and they lose balance and they can come with uh, frequent falls. Um, there's a bunch of different symptoms physically that you could see. Um, but there's, like, if I want to make a caveat to psychiatric uh, symptoms, they come with what we call the mask uh, faces, meaning their, their facial expression are very blunt and a lot of time it looks like depression so um it's not uncommon that people go to psychiatrists or family think they're depressed 
and what they really have is an onset of Parkinson's disease. Um, you know, um, there's also a vitals and stability. There's a, a slew of different condition that they you can you can have with, with Parkinson. But mostly, it's you know in the lemon term, in the lemon explanation, that's that's what you get when you have Parkinson, and, and it progresses with time. Yeah, and and you mentioned that uh, the neurons involved are dopamine neurons, and for the people that right. are non-medical that listen to this, that hear dopamine, they think dopamine is the reward thing. The reward, the reward neurotransmitter. It's like when you release right. dopamine, you get really happy. So what I want to point out is yeah, that happy. there's a lot of different dopamine systems in the body, a lot of different ones. Okay, and one of them happens to be the one that's involved in Parkinson's, which is the nigrostriatal dopamine pathway. That pathway is involved in purposeful movement. So mm-hmm. dopamine is released in that pathway. The downstream effect is you move limbs on purpose, okay? So when that degenerates, you start to get the physical movement problems that you get with Parkinson's. Now, there's other dopamine pathways. For instance, there's a dopamine pathway, and I'm not going to get into the technical jargon, but there's a dopamine pathway that's involved in pleasure and euphoria. That's usually the one that gets hit when you take drugs. That's that pathway. Uh, now again, I'm yes. point this I'm out. About the mesolimbic. It's mesolimbic, yeah. That's right. Very good. Okay. Very good. <laughs> hey, doctor. I just took. I just took my 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 MPN boards, so I should know this kind of stuff. Very good. Thirty five percent of our of our board exam is neurology. So yes, we do need to know yes. these things. Yeah. And so that's. But the thing about drugs is they're not smart enough to know that they're only supposed to go to one pathway. So they hit all of these pathways. So that's why with some drugs, you get very happy and euphoric, but you also have weird movements and, and things like that. Another pathway right. is involved in thought, cognition, thought, um, focus and that's the pathway generally that amphetamines work in for adhd finally you're going to get the the two the, the, the two yeah that, that's where you know i mean that's a lot of stuff to to to, to you know to like you know explain but basically the turbinifolar in, in the area of the pituitary that's where you secret of some hormones of the body right and the dopamine what it does it um inhibit or stop the release of prolactin so when you block the dopamine there meaning there's no more dopamine to block the prolactin you would have what we call an hypersecretion of prolactin so people would have for example in our profession when we prescribe the medication if i block the dopamine there so one of the side effects our patient will get is more prolactin and if you if you look at if you listen to the word forget about science if you listen to the word prolactin and people know lact aid if you will is milk Meaning, it's a hormone that that up uh, that is pro milk, right? You don't need to you don't need to go to medical school to understand that if you block wow, what blocks prolactin, then you have impressive. more milk, right? That's that's an impressive mnemonic right? that I never it literally never considered in twenty yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, lactate, you know, lactate. So you can you can have male that are taking medication where the dopamine is blocked, like you mentioned, in all the different pathways. But one of the side effects that's not intended, it's not a, 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 a desired effect, is that male will have increased, you know, genic, um, gynecological or breast um, tissue. And female, women, will get, not only they will get the, the 
more secretion of milk, but also would have issue with the menstruation, you know? So there's a, a flow of different side effects that you can have. And, and, right. and in, 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 in what we're talking about, right, the, the Parkinson is where we will, we will focus on, I mentioned earlier, it, the medication blocking the dopamine there will cause basically Parkinson, right? But then we call it drug-induced Parkinson, meaning it's not, it's not necessarily neurodegenerative, meaning you can actually remove the medication and the symptoms reverses. Whereas in the disease itself, Parkinson, you cannot, it's not restorative. I mean, once you have Parkinson, you can only manage it. You can even, you can, you can go back. Great. And you're talking about antipsychotic medications that go into the body. Antipsychotic, right. Again, yeah. They're, right. they're not smart enough to know they're only supposed to go into one area of the body, uh, one, one pathway. Right. So they Correct. have all the pathways, including the movement pathway of dopamine, which can cause Parkinson-like symptoms. But they're they're not the same in that when you remove the medication, you go back to normal. But in Parkinson's, that's not the way that works. And the reason that we get consulted for this a lot is because of the psychiatric effects. You've mentioned depression once right. already, but but psychosis is another one. We get we yes get consulted yes. for that, and that's more of a later stage problem with Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. But we do get consulted for that. And the problem that you have managing that is that the treatment for psychosis makes Parkinson's worse. Makes Parkinson's worse. Yeah. 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 So yeah. when I get when I get patients coming in saying, you know, like you know, my mom or my dad has Parkinson's and now they're hallucinating or now they're delusional or something like that. And it's like, well, you know, we can do this, but but you know, there may be downstream yeah. effects. Right. How many times have you've had a patient, I'm sure you've had a patient that goes back and forth between you and your neurologist. You put a medication and the neurologist will say, you know what, your psychiatrist is, is causing your Parkinson. Meanwhile, you already know they have Parkinson. You're trying to control the psychosis. Exactly. And the exactly. patient goes back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. yeah. So the treatment for Parkinson's for the movement issues is to increase dopamine because dopamine, dopamine is what's being degenerated in the brain right. in that pathway. So the, the treatment for it is just to restore the dopamine, which is a, a levodopa, levodopa carbidopa. Or carbidopa or cinemet. Or cinemet, which is the brand name. Cinemet. And the, the, the side effect of cinemet is psychosis. Psychosis, right. right? So, because just, just like you said earlier, in the, in, the flip, <laughs> in the flip side, increasing dopamine will cause increased dopamine in different pathways, right? Exactly, exactly. Including the, the psychotic The psychotic pathway. one, yeah. And that's the problem also with Parkinson's is the treatment for it can make the psychiatric part worse. And there are other, there are yeah. other d- dementia type disorders, for instance, that antipsychotics are not the best option, even though they're the option. Right. Um, for instance, Lewy body dementia, where you give body, antipsychotic yeah. and that will cause significant uh, muscle tension and lockup and some yeah. worsening of that stuff. So uh, it, the, the, the problems with this disease is that one treatment causes another problem and the solution for that treatment, the solution yeah. for that problem causes the other, the opposite. Yeah. So there's this dance of how much antipsychotic and which antipsychotic do you give to someone who has Parkinson Parkinson psychosis? And now finally there's a medication for hallucinations. Are you talking no, about, Parkinson's. The, for, you're talking about, uh, oh, you need me. to know this. You're going to fail. Yeah, I know, I know it. I know it. it, it the name doesn't come. Uh, really what is mind. the name? 
give me the first letter. Give me the first letter. It's N. New Placid. New Placid. There you go. Yeah, it's one of the new medication that you can prescribe in, uh, and I think new plastic has to do with serotonin, not dopamine. That's why, that's why it's it's you no, know, there's less side effect in a negotiable pathway because it, the mechanism action, the mechanism of action is actually on the serotonin. Um, so that is interesting. If you fact check me, I, I'm I'm going to fact check you, um, and, and I'm pretty confident a, in my knowledge. I, I'm I'm not debating it at all. I. I honestly, I don't know the mechanism <laughs> because I very rarely prescribe this medication, but you, are, you may be right because there are serotonin pathways that may be increase right. and decrease dopamine. So some in, some of the newer antipsychotics, for instance, like uh, Rexalti and Vralor, they hit certain serotonin pathways and those serotonin pathways, and if I'm not mistaken... The pathway is 5-HD2A. Yeah. yeah. It it will so, reduce psychosis if you if you block that yeah. receptor. Yeah, it's a relay. It's like a, a relay mechanism. But down the road, that the down the the let's say skeleton or, or the the reactions, then it will decrease dopamine down the road. And um new plastic, by the way, it's it's a brand name. The generic name it's Pimalvenserine. Right, I don't know if I'm going to write it. Pimavirenserine, and like like you were saying, it's a non-dopaminergic antipsychotic. Yeah, and it targets, like I mentioned, it blocks the 5-H2A receptors, um, which does play a role in neuropsychiatric condition, like like hallucination and psychosis and and delusion and whatnot. I should know these things, like without having to fact check myself. But right, you're basically saying that 5-H2A is pro dopamine, meaning if you if you uh, increase Five-two-a action down the road, you would also increase dopamine action. So by blocking five-two-a, then you're possibly blocking dopamine as well, um, meaning blocking or decreasing uh, psychosis. Earlier, we were talking about just a caveat. We're talking about drugs, cocaine, and and receptors and medication. And I, I always tell people that story. I that you know you have patient as well. I have patient as well. When we prescribe the medication. They'll tell you, you know, doc, I, I don't like medication. I don't like to put stuff in my body. You know, I don't like the way medication interact with my brain. Meanwhile, you're treating them for substance induced psychosis. They do a bunch of cocaine and meth and they virtually this exact same thing. And, and I'm like, why do you think cocaine does to your brain, dude? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. I know. And don't get me started because I I have the same issue with people that come in and say, I don't like to take chemicals. And I'm like, and they're like, they're taking like herbs or marijuana or over the counter. Yeah, what do you think they alternative. are? And I'm like, dude, do you understand that literally everything is a chemical? Like food, food are yeah, chemicals, um, you know? And, and so there's a little bit of frustration with some people that say they don't want to take these things yeah. when they're doing drugs or something like that and they're, they're, they're smoking right but the, the cocaine natural. is fine right no, the, yeah. right yeah, the marijuana that i'm smoking six times a day every day is perfectly fine but i don't it's want the antipsychotics. yeah okay and and, and oh god so this this could get this could go real <laughs> bad real quick with these kinds of stories that i've had we we should make an episode with, with uh with you know what patients say that we should debunk for purpose of not for to be trivial, but for purpose um, of education, you know, edu- educating the masses about what the common 
belief, you know, the false belief that they have about medication and and, and stuff they say that they don't know about. That's actually it's like it's like knowledge. Idea. Yeah, fantastic. We're doing a bit of that. Yeah, the most common the most common false belief that a patient have. We'll do that one. The most common fallacies, yeah, patient fallacies. Yeah, that's absolutely, absolutely. This that that's it may not be our next episode, but it's definitely going to be one of them. So yeah. anyway, uh, we've gone off topic on Parkinson's, I digress. but I think, but I think we've done our job here in explaining what it is and and how it's treated. Now, you know, the neurologists, you know, are going to be able to 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 tell you a lot more than what we tell you because we see the the psychiatric end of it. Uh, but we do work with neurologists to sort of play that that game of too much too much cinemat is going to cause the problem that I'm trying to fix with, you know, Risperdal, for instance. But too much Risperdal is going to cause the problem that they're trying to fix with cinnamon. So we do mm-hmm. have to keep in mind that, you know, we need to, to kind of interact and, and, and speak to the other providers to kind of get that right. But otherwise, I think, I think we did a pretty decent job of explaining it. Maybe not. Let us know in the comments if you think we did a terrible job of explaining it. But I think we did a good job. And, you know, wish only the best for Barry Melrose because he's awesome. Right. I was going to say, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of impressive that he's been on TV this entire time. And the show he has on TV, he used to have the full body shot on, on Sports Center. He used to be standing. And then he was also on, on the table. And I would never, never, I never noticed, I never noticed any movement disorders, right? So people, I was saying earlier, the first symptom is not necessarily tremors. The first symptom could be rigidity, could be, um, balance issues could be depression, could be what we call uh, um, dyskinesia or akinesia, you know, or, or, or hypokinesia, meaning you're moving slowly. And then when you do the studies, when you do the the MRI, or even you can do a, a, a LP, which is a lumbar puncture, and you find some alpha subnuclein or different stuff that you can see in the in the, uh, the liquid that you get from the brain, you can actually diagnose Parkinson. But it's not necessarily the tremors that is the first symptom. The tremors is patognomonic, meaning once you have it, you have it. But Melrose maybe did not have the tremors before he found out. Maybe I don't know. I'm speculating. And and on our way out here, I uh, we should we should point out that he was a hockey player, and hockey players are known to have repeated head trauma, uh, not as much as football players, but they do have that. And the question then becomes: Is did his hockey history create this problem? And the the answer is we we don't really know. Maybe, probably not. Know. Maybe, but but you don't know. And and what 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 I found in in sort of looking into this is that sports related head injuries don't necessarily convey a higher risk of Parkinson's, but there is a higher risk of young onset Parkinsonism or Parkinson's with repeated sports related head trauma. But that's really the only yeah. link. Well, uh, and it's a tentative link. Yeah. And the person I think about right. And the person I think about, obviously, it's um Muhammad Ali. That's where I th- right. when when I think about sports and Parkinson, I I'm not saying listen, I'm not saying that if if, if Muhammad Ali never played, never never boxed, he would never have had Parkinson. I don't know. Nobody could tell. Nobody knows, but he's, he's one of the prominent figures in sports that developed Parkinson. And I think his what might have been as a, at an early age too. Early 42. age is defined before 50. 
Right. So um, it's YLPD, young onset Parkinson uh, disease. It's before 50 years old. And um, Ali had his symptoms at 42. You know, there's there's no hard link between sports-related head trauma and Parkinson's. The the There is a link between people that have had head trauma, repeated head trauma in general. So it doesn't have to be sports or non-sports related. People get head trauma for other things besides football, you know, accidents, uh, car accidents, things like that. So the overall risk is higher with head trauma, it, with Parkinson's, and the, the, the risk is backwards, right? So when you have Parkinson's and you go back and look at their history, you'll yeah. notice that people that have Parkinson's had head trauma at a higher rate than people who did not have Parkinson's. So that that's the that's the the tentative yeah. link. But it's there's no specific sports so, or non-sports other than young onset. Well, other than that. That that being said, that being said, we don't know yet, but that being said, studies have been I guess people are making a lot of studies. There's a study I I I you know I came uh upon it was actually published this year. It's a JAMA, it's the journal of um what is it? Uh, JAMA is Journal of American Medicine Association, whatever it is, I don't know. Yep. Um, and then they studied NFL players with Parkinson. And what they found was that of the people that they studied, they did the studies with seven, closer to 730 or 730 players, um, or NFL players. And they found that, that of those players, that's a lot of, that's 88%, 88% reported being diagnosed with Parkinson disease after they play football, right? So, I'm not saying it's, it's um, causative or what, what the word is, but it's, it's related. There's no causation, but there's there's definitely some relation. Correlation, right? Correlation. correlation. There you go. There's there's no there's correlation, but not necessarily causation. Um, right. So the studies are ongoing, and I'm guessing I'm guessing uh, I could guess that there will be, I would say, in in higher incidence of of Parkinson's because if you keep bending your brain. Something's gonna happen to your brain, right? I mean, you don't have to be a doctor or a scientist. If you keep hitting your, your hand against a wall or against against somebody else, something might happen in that brain, right? You know, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, just just common CTE, sense. I mean, we did the CTE episode, so yeah, that there's the yeah that there's 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 that. So yeah, so kids, don't bang your head against the wall. Did you ever do that as a kid, by the way? Bang your head against the wall, just for fun, or against somebody else? Yeah. Get somebody else. Or, I'm gonna have to hear that story. No, I'm gonna tell that story. Who knows? Okay, kids right. are clumsy. So, your your mental kids health tip of the day today is: kids don't don't bang your head against the wall. Mental health tip of the day time to end our show. Day full of hiccups? Need a shake-up? Listen up. It's the Psych Effect Podcast Mental Health Tip of the Day. It, and it's not, by the way, uh, hitting your head against the wall. It's not that. And uh, It's not. Of course, the, the mental health tip of the day is brought to you by nobody again. It's, 
nobody is still not sponsored although although we did we if you guys follow us on, on social media we did sponsor an event right <laughs> it's ironic we don't get sponsored but we sponsor other people right that's i right. mean that's life i guess because we're benevolent like that we don't we don't necessarily need yeah yeah we don't necessarily we just want people to 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 be like us right but, but that's it i've had i've had people tell me so, you know like oh you know we could we could sponsor the mental health tip of the day and i see you people we still don't have you as a sponsor but i see through the computer i can see you i can see you through your car radio through your headphones i know where you are anyway steph enlighten yeah. us mental yeah. health tip so it's, it's it's not it's not going to be a you know a offensive say nothing like that it's something i usually tell people when i see them in the office or when i at the point of you know the discharge after a crisis whatever it may be uh, bipolar mania or depression or schizophrenia whatever it may be when they're stable i tell my patient all the time make sure when they go back to the environment right to their family member to their friends i tell them make sure that they reinforce those relationships make make sure that they go back to the support system and nurture this relationship because they don't know what kind of damage they've done to their relationship when they were on crisis and why i say that is that the human human being are not made we're not made to be alone we are we are made to be with in society with people so we are supposed to have a social circle a support system around us and what i tell my patients all the time is that the the, the stronger your relationships are the better support you'll get so if you look at it um, as as in terms of support when you when you stable make sure that your, your people are around you because they'll help you stay stable they'll help you stay out of crisis because they'll be as 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 much as you put into the relationship they'll put the same back into the relationship that, that means you have good friends good family members you have people that care about you people that would that would tell you when something's wrong they will see it they, you can also have somebody you can talk to so it it, it pours into a better you know, lifestyle better relationship with people so again not to, to be repetitive but make sure that your relationships are, are strong so they can be part of your support system excellent so that's it for us this week uh, follow us, like, subscribe. We're on Twitter. I'm still going to call it Twitter forever. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're on YouTube. And it's real easy to find us because it's all the same handle. It's at Psych Effect yeah. Pod. Follow us, like us, subscribe, yeah. leave a review. And, uh, you know, we'll see you in the next one. We are off yeah. next week because, uh, you know, vacation policy, of course. But. We will be back, hopefully, with Suzanne. Yeah. Take care, guys. The previous podcast is for general informational purposes only and represented the individual opinions of Dr. Dimitri Bick, Dr. Stefan de Graff, Dr. Suzanne Mignon, and the guests. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or other professional healthcare services and should not be taken as medical advice or an establishment of standard of care. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.